This year came dreadful forewarnings over the land of the Northumbrians, terrifying the people most woefully. These were immense sheets of light rushing through the air and whirlwinds and fiery dragons flying across the firmament. These tremendous tokens were soon followed by a great famine, and not long after, on the sixth day before the Ides of January in the same year, the harrowing inroads of heathen men made lamentable havoc in the Church of God in Holy Ireland. Entry for the year 793 in the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle. Never before has such an atrocity been seen, declared the Northumbrian scholar, Ulcian of York. Earlier still, a short comment taken from the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle tells us that in the year 789, Viking longships landed somewhere on the Wessex coast. The sheriff that went to investigate was killed on the shore, a sign it was believed of things to come. In 793, we read of the first major incursion of Viking raiders on English soil. The monastery at Lindisfarne, or Holy Island, known for being associated with St Cuthbert and sitting on a spur of land in Northumbria, was destroyed and plundered by Norse warriors. This was a terrible omen, and in the following years, Viking raids along the coast spread terror among the people of England and brought huge wealth to the invaders from across the sea. The ability to sail across vast open water had proved to be a block to Viking expansion westward, but once the problem of navigation had been addressed, the rich lands of England and Scotland lay open to the longships. The first few Viking raids were little more than a lightning attack on a small area, leaving the local settlements ablaze, and they carried as much treasure and slaves as they could. The Viking raiders stayed ashore only as long as they absolutely had to. It is possible that if these raids had first targeted small village settlements, then the shock would have been lessened. But the attack on Lindisfarne was an attack on one of the best known and the most revered monasteries in the whole of Western Europe. We've already heard from Alcyon of York, and it's fitting that we let him continue his account. Lo, it is nearly 350 years that we and our fathers have inhabited this lovely land and never before has such terror appeared in Britain, as we have now suffered from a pagan race. Nor was it thought that such an inroad from the sea could be made. Behold the church of St Cuthbert, spattered with the blood of the priest of God, despoiled of all its ornaments, a place more vulnerable than all in Britain, is given as a prey to pagan peoples. It's taken from a letter from Orsian of York to Ethelred, who was king of Northumbria, on the 8th of June, 793. As the text of the letter notes, this was a full-scale aggression for a pagan race. The whole Christian world at that time felt under threat from pagan peoples. The site at Lindisfarne is still a really beautiful place to visit. In fact, it was one of my favourite spots in England, when I still call the British Islands home. The causeway that temporarily cuts the monastery off from the mainland lends the area a peace and calm that is hard to describe. Unfortunately, the low sandbanks that are found in this region gave the narrow, short-draft Viking vessels a perfect landing ground, and bringing the warriors to shore was a simple matter from expert seamen such as the Norsemen. The Vikings landed to find that England was a land divided, 
with the kingdoms, rather than cooperating, more coexisting. There was trouble within the church, as issues over Constantinople warranted attention, and against this backdrop, the Vikings attacked northern Europe, gaining massive wealth in the process. With the sack of Lindisfarne, most of the church plate, and in fact anything deemed of value, was loaded onto the longships for the return journey. Lindisfarne Monastery had long been held as a special place within English Christianity, and this made the raid seem more like an attack at the very heart of the English religion, and the victims, being for the most part monks, gave an added sense of brutality to the raid. Some church leaders even saw the Vikings as a tool of God, teaching a harsh lesson to the faithful about piety and the need for renewed attention to God. The Anglo-Saxon Chronicle highlights the religious aspects of the raid, but in reality it is most likely that the Vikings were simply after plunder, and the riches of the holy houses of England could not be ignored. Many people still tend to think of the Vikings as one huge group of Scandinavian raiders, wearing horns on their helmets and carrying off women and goods to the backdrop of burning buildings and screams of dying children. But as is so often the case in history, the truth is much more complex. The Vikinger were in essence pirates. The word Viking means one who lurks in a vic or a bay, essentially a pirate. And they called home the fjords and inlets of Sweden, Norway, Denmark, etc. Each group had its own regional differences, but largely they operated in the same way. Now we often think of the Vikings as the founders of a new era of history, and we call it the Viking Age. As pirates, of course, booty was the major consideration, and the gold, silver and slaves they captured helped the Vikings enjoy life and showed a healthy respect for the Norse gods who were keen to reward the warrior society who worshipped them. The following description of a raid is taken from the history of the Church of Durham by the monk Simeon. On the 7th of the Ides of June they reached the Church of Lindisfarne, and there they miserably ravaged and pillaged everything. They trod the holy things under their polluted feet. They dug down the altars and plundered all the treasures of the church. Some of the brethren they slew, some they carried off with them in chains. The greater number they stripped naked, insulted and cast out of doors. Some they even drowned in the sea. Well, once the Vikings arrived at the monastery, they did indeed begin to loot all the valuables they could recognise, gold or silver. But, thankfully, they failed to notice the magnificent illustrated Gospels. These beautiful handwritten books were not really considered treasure by the Vikinger. And so it was that the Lindisfarne Gospels, together with the ornate oak coffin, said to hold the earthly remains of none other than St Cuthbert himself, survived the raid and are now safely kept in Durham Cathedral. The Englishmen, mostly of course monks who wrote about the raids, never looked beyond the savagery and the wanton cruelty of these people. And it's the discovery of fine metalwork and highly skilled crafted work from the Viking settlements that have made some modern historians cast the Vikings now as peace-loving craftsmen rather than bloodthirsty warriors. 
Well, it may well be the case that the truth lies somewhere between both of those views. It is true to say that the Vikings were a people who prided themselves on their abilities as warriors. But the thoughtless barbarian idea is perhaps a little too simplistic. In the strictest use of the sense, they were indeed barbarians, as are most of us. Anybody who could not frame words in Latin was considered to be, by the Romans, to be a bar-bar-barbarian because of the sound our language made to Roman ears. Of course, when the warriors landed at Lindisfarne, they engaged in a terrible slaughter, and no doubt blood did indeed stain the ground that day. We can only guess at the difficulty of sailing right across the North Sea and arriving at Lindisfarne for the first time. In the middle of January, it's actually somewhat hard to believe. The ships that transported the warriors over the Wild Road had to be built with skill and designed with a focus on speed and strength. By the 8th century, Viking boat builders had created the slender, beautiful, sleek-looking longboats of popular memory. The look of these ships belies the strength of their design with a very solid central core and curving planks that enable the ships to cut through often bad weather. The ships could be powered by the huge central sail, or by rowing for more delicate river navigation. Thankfully, we still have a number of surviving ships, as they were often used to bury famous or worthy people. Once the door to England had been opened by these first raids, news of the riches that lay to the west saw the Viking raids increase in number as the years progressed. For example, Jarrow was invaded in 794, and Iona in 795, 802, and 806, and in 835, Viking longboats ravaged the Isle of Sheppey in the Thames estuary. This led to the eventual payment down the line of Danegeld, or really protection money, to keep the raiders away. Eventually, a much larger Viking force arrived in the north of England, around 865, and this was led by the famous Norse, Norseman Guthrum. Moving into Northumbria, the Vikings took hold of the city of York, calling it Jorvik, and this became a strong Viking settlement. As future history will tell us, this saw the beginning of the fierce conflict between Guthrum and the legendary Saxon king, Alfred of Wessex. And all of this began the day the prow of the longship was sighted, heading for Lindisfarne Abbey. <laughs>